Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the College Age Movement podcast. Uh, we are starting a new series entitled The Wilderness this week, and we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture uh, that talks through the interaction between, between Jesus and Satan as he is tempted in the wilderness. And uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all touch on this. Matthew and Luke go the most in depth. And I'm going to focus on the book of Matthew this week, the end of chapter three to the beginning of chapter four. And so we're just going to jump right in Matthew chapter three, verses 13 through chapter four, verse two. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. This is John the Baptist, his cousin. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So there is a communicator that, that talked through this passage a couple years ago when I was a, at a conference, and it, his name is Robert Madu, and he entitled his entire sermon, Water to the Wilderness. And uh, he talked through what we're going to talk through for the next three weeks. He just talked about in one night, and he went into depth. But I loved the concept of water in the wilderness or water to the wilderness. And Jesus Jesus went straight from being baptized to being tempted. He went straight from a mountaintop to a valley, from the water to the wilderness. And I think that it's so important that we understand that life does not always provide a natural order or natural timing to things. Some seasons are all mountaintops, and some seasons aren't. But what we can be assured of is that even though we cannot predict when trials will come, we can know with certainty that they will come. The trials are a natural part of life. And for each one of us, those look different. Sometimes we go from a mountaintop to a valley. Sometimes we, we are riding high for a really long time. And sometimes it's just up, down, up, down, up, down. And it's, it's not always mountaintops and valleys. Sometimes we just find ourselves in between. But what we always can be assured of is that life isn't just always sunshine and rainbows, that we will face trials. So we should expect that. And I think another thing that we should expect is that when we're at our highest point, that we would understand that the enemy is wanting to try to cut us down. That Jesus went from a life-changing, life-defining moment to the desert. Why wouldn't that be a possibility for you and I? You see, the enemy wants to cut us down when we're at our highest point because then we have the farthest to fall. So we need to be people who are aware of that. And so there's a couple things that I want to point out. I want to talk about who Jesus was and who Jesus calls us to be through, through this small set of scripture that we've talked about. And the first point that I want to talk about is this. He was hungry. Now, I know that that is probably the most theological, amazing point that you've heard in a sermon in a while, that that's probably life-changing, that you're, you're going to leave this podcast a new person because you heard the point, he was hungry. But this is why it matters, is that Jesus was fully human. While he was fully God, we always have to remember that he was fully human, it is easy for us to look at Jesus and see God, see Messiah, see Savior. And obviously, those are good things. Those are amazing things that we should never forget. But I think that it's really important that we always remember that he was also a man, that he faced temptations just like you and I. 
that we would be people who never forget that fact either. You see, he became like us so he could know us even better. He became like us so he could know us. Jesus wasn't just the ultimate leader. He was also the ultimate learner. And we can learn from that ourselves. You see, we've all been in situations where we've experienced different types of leaders. We have leaders who say, I want you to go do that thing. And then we have leaders who say, I'm going to do that thing. and I'd like you to come with me. And one of the examples that I'll always remember is that when I started in the ministry as an intern, I was with our missions department, and we started these things called Tuesdays on the Town, and we're still doing them in the church, and it's an incredible thing. And one of the first ones that we did was at Zoo Montana here in Billings. And uh, I, I was 23, and I got to lead out the entire project, and there was this nasty pond that hadn't been cleaned in a long time. And what I did is I said, hey, I need people, I need 10 people to volunteer to go clean that nasty pond. And do you know how many volunteers I got? Zero. And then Ron Todd, who was our missions pastor at the time, who's a mentor of mine, somebody who I respect so, so much. He stepped into the same group of volunteers and he said, hey, I'm going to go clean that pond. Who wants to come with me? And he got 15. And it was so eye-opening for me as a young leader to understand that I had to be the person who was willing to step into something first. And Jesus did that. Jesus understood that if he was going to call us to live a specific life, he was going to come live that life perfectly, spotlessly, amazingly, so that he wasn't asking us to do something that we that he wasn't willing to do himself. He went, he did it, and he led by example through his his innate desire to learn about us, our temptations, the things that we go through. So when he calls us to something, we can confidently say, hey, he's been here. We know that it's not too big of an ask. The second thing to point out is an important fact. This was at the outset of Jesus's ministry. This is the very beginning that he was 30 years old, but this was the beginning of his three years of ministry, that this is how it starts. This incredible mountaintop experience where he comes out of the water and his father in heaven says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then he gets sent to the wilderness to be tempted. See, the next, the next point is this, move in the trial and through the trial. Move in the trial and through the trial. As human beings, we have a terrible tendency to freeze when we meet resistance. What we have to understand is that if God has called us to something, we have to have confidence to push through. You see, resistance isn't always a sign of a closed and locked door. Sometimes it's just stuck and we need to push harder. You see, I'm so guilty of this, and, and maybe you are too, is that we always talk and pray and we always use this phrase like open doors versus closed doors. And it makes sense when we really think about it, but I also think that it can be really dangerous because doors are meant to be opened. And just because a door is closed doesn't mean that it can't be opened. And so one of the things that I think that we need to understand is that that resistance isn't always an indication from God. Sometimes it's an attack of the enemy. That, that the resistance that we are feeling is actually the enemy terrified that we would be stepping in to the calling. You see, it's important that we understand that as Jesus was stepping into who he was supposed to be, as he was about to start his ministry here on earth, he meets resistance from the enemy. And I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you're about to step in or you already have stepped into the calling that God has placed on your life. You are confident of the fact that God is asking you to do something. Don't don't always assume that resistance 
is God. Sometimes it is, and that's why we, we believe so much in prayer. But if you are confident that God has asked you to do something, understand that the enemy doesn't want you to do that, and resistance can also come from him. So let's always be aware of the fact that resistance isn't always a no. Resistance is sometimes a call for us to push and strive harder. And I think that it's one of the hardest parts of becoming who God wants us to be or doing what he wants us to do is to recognize the difference between a closed door and a locked one. And we, we, we tend to look at that small resistance as God barricading the door, but that is why we spend so much time with God and we understand and we hear his voice and we do everything that we can to make sure that when we say that God is calling us to something, we are confident of that. But, but don't just give the door one try. Try multiple times. You see, the problem is that often we find ourselves slamming our whole self against a locked door for years and years and years, and we get bruised and bloodied, or we walk away after one simple attempt to open a jam door. Find the balance. Make sure that you give enough effort to something to make sure that God doesn't want you to go in that direction, but also don't spend years and years and years trying to do something that you don't know if God actually wants you to do. The testing of our faith, our call, our purpose doesn't just happen when we arrive. It happens as we go. And that's really important that we understand that life will bring new challenges. There will be new relationships, new dynamics that we always have to deal with. And we, we need to stop treating life like a destination and understand that it's a journey. It's always moving, and as we go, as life moves, we'll come upon all new kinds of things. It's in how we handle those trials and temptations and those challenges that define us and define our relationships and all of those different things. So let's understand that, that there's doors always. There's always going to be the proverbial door, the hypothetical door that, we, that we're trying to walk through. We need to give our, our due effort towards those things. We need to try it multiple times. We need to make sure that it's something that's not just a little bit jammed or stuck. But also we need to make sure that if God is calling us clearly away from something after years, don't keep slamming your whole body against that thing and wrecking yourself in pursuit of what you want versus what Jesus wants for you. You see, Jesus gives us a good example in the next couple verses on how to handle the trial. So it goes on in Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. It says, The tempter came to him, this is Satan, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Remember, at the end of of verse 2, it just says, He was hungry. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, what we will see throughout the next few weeks is this, is that preparation breeds success. Preparation breeds success. Jesus doesn't just step into this situation with confidence only because he's the son of God. It helps, but it's because he was spending his whole life getting ready to do battle with the enemy. For that, for 30 years up to this point, he was reading scripture. He had spent time in the synagogue. He spent his time around leaders and people of influence and people who he trusted to teach him, to prepare him. He spent time with his father, praying and having conversations. He spent time preparing for what he was about to encounter. And it's so important that you and I do the same, that we would be a prepared people, that we would understand that being battle ready will be vital in every single season of our lives, that there won't be a single season where being prepared would be a bad thing, that we would always be people who are prepared for as many situations as possible, whether it's a good season, a bad season, an in-between season, a confusing season, whatever it is, that we would always do our due diligence as followers of Christ to be prepared. 
we've all heard the term taken by surprise, or we've all said, hey, we want to take them by surprise. It could be in a game. It could be something else that this is a term that, that we maybe would hear a lot in, in warfare or something like that, that we want to take the enemy by surprise. And what we have to understand is the enemy also understands the value of surprise. So when we are not prepared, that's an advantage for him. That's an advantage for Satan to take us off guard. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, all seasons, all circumstances, we need to be people who are prepared. And I think it's really easy for us to think through this verse and see large scale fear, something that, that's absolutely going to end us. I remember growing up and hearing this verse and being like, oh, there's going to be that one instance, that one relationship, that one circumstance that, that actually ends up allowing the enemy to devour me like a roaring lion. And I, w- I was scared and I would, I would be so hesitant around certain situations and certain relationships because I was like, this is the one that's going to end me. But I think it's about being prepared in all the little times that is more important than being prepared in the big times. That We would look at the little things that we face daily and we would understand that preparedness is vital in those things as much, if not more, than being prepared in these big times that, we're, that we see coming in the future. Because when we're prepared in the little things, we, we prevent the enemy from getting a foothold. The little habits in our lives where we're prepared are the ones that may or may not cause the most distress and pain in our lives. So let's make sure that we're prepared in the little things. We can be prepared in the big things, but if we make collective decisions every single day to be prepared in the little things, those little disciplines, it will lead to greater success in the big things that we know that we're going to eventually face. So being prepared always is of the utmost importance. We tend to get ourselves in trouble because when we're on the mountaintops, we don't think that anything could go wrong. And then when we're in the valleys, we don't think that anything could go right. So my encouragement to you today would be this. If you are on a mountaintop, be prepared for the fact that some attack may come, that you might get knocked down a peg. But if you are prepared, you won't go straight from the mountaintop all the way into the deepest, darkest valleys. If you are constantly prepared and understand that the enemy wants to knock you off that mountaintop, then maybe he'll knock you down a peg, but you'll be able to get back up. We always need to be prepared on those mountaintops. But even more so, what I want to encourage you in today is this, is if you find yourself in a valley today, if you find yourself in depression, in bad relationships, in bad situations, you're not happy with your vocation, whatever it may be, understand that you also need to be prepared in those valleys because God's going to show up. God's going to reach out his hand to lift you out. He's going to provide that opportunity. He's going to provide that relationship, whatever it may be. And we need to be prepared in those moments to step out of the valley, to climb out of the valley, to rock it out of that valley and put ourselves in a solid position. So we always need to be prepared, whether we're on the top, on the bottom, or somewhere in between, we are always prepared. The next point is this. Jesus understood that the word of God should be our sustenance, our sustenance. Scripture isn't just a fun book to quote out of. It should be something that we live by. It should be something that we live through. This is the word of God put on paper so that you and I would understand how valuable it is, that it's not just a book, that it is a collection of documents, historical documents, letters, amazing poems, all kinds of things that were collected for you and I to be closer to our creator. 
that we would be people who don't treat it like medicine. It's not something that we just reach for in a time of distress or in a time of need, but it should be as key to our day as the food we eat. I don't know about you, but I know that I don't go through a day and don't think about what I'm going to eat. I wake up and I'm like, what's for breakfast? What's for second breakfast? What's for lunch? Like we, we think about those things on a daily basis And yet so often, myself included, I don't find myself looking at scripture as being that intricate and that important, that vital to my day. Well, I know that I need to eat lunch. I should know that I need to read scripture. I should know that I need the word of God flowing through me. And it might not just be memorizing it. We don't want to just memorize it for that sake. We want it to be something that impresses itself upon our mind. And I don't know about you, But I know that even if I don't have a verse memorized, it's amazing how God will bring specific parts of specific verses to the forefront of my mind in situations because I spent time in scripture. So let's be people who do that. Let it be something that is our sustenance, something that we think about as much as we think about the food that we eat, the air that we breathe. It's also important that we understand that how we approach and how we apply scripture is key. Most of us have heard scripture our entire life, for good or bad, in context and out of context. There has been scripture on art. There has been scripture in our uh, education. There's been scripture in our churches, obviously, or in our relationships from our parents, all those different things. We've heard scriptures all over over the place. And some of us have had really good experience with those things, and some of us have really bad experiences, and some of us have heard it in context, and it's been really good, and some of us have taken things completely out of context, and I don't want to blow up your life verse, but make sure you check the context of your life verse before you get a tattoo or anything like that of it. Make sure that it's what you want. Make sure that it's something that, that you actually believe in, because this is the problem, is that so often we, we hear scripture, we regurgitate, regurgitate scripture, but we don't actually know what it means, and we want to be people who, who understand scripture for what it is, understand the word of God. And that means we need to spend time in it and we need to study it. We need to be people who are consuming it like daily bread. It's also important that we understand that we are in charge of our own, own understanding. There are incredible, incredible lessons to be learned from other people. I have been taught so much by people in my life that I respect so much, but I still, and you still have to put ourselves in healthy learning situations. Find people that you trust, find people that that you know, know scripture that have done their due diligence when it comes to reading the word of God and make sure that you're putting yourself in healthy situations. My hope is that, that this church, Faith Chapel, that this ministry, College Age Movement, that, that I am a person that you trust to learn from. That is obviously like a huge part of being a pastor, that you would we build relationships and that you would do your due diligence in studying scripture so that people who hear you would be able to take that and be like, that's a trustworthy word. And that, that's my hope is that this is a place that you are learning so much and you are gaining so much from. My hope is also that you're doing a ton of learning on your own as well, that you're asking questions, that you're somebody who's putting yourself in situations where you're not just accepting it because I said it, but you're expecting it because you're accepting it because Jesus said it, because scripture said it, because you know that the Holy Spirit is working in and through a lesson that you're learning, that we can teach each other, that we would always have a posture of learning from the people around us, but we would always understand that the most important person that we are learning from is Christ himself. It's really important that we don't just learn or hear. We also have to apply. Following Jesus isn't just about knowing. It's about doing. There's a difference between I know that I should love my neighbor and me actually loving my neighbor. That knowledge without action is pointless. 
You see, a doctor can know how to save a life, but unless he is willing to apply the, th- the things that he knows, the knowledge that he knows to save that life, that life will not be saved. And you and I have this knowledge of Christ. We have this eternal life-giving, life-saving knowledge, and we need to be people who put it into action, that we wouldn't just know it, but that we would apply it so that other people can learn about it and other people can know it as well. We need to be a community, a people, who truly put our faith into action. What I'd love to do today is just end with three questions. And if you're in a spot where you can close your eyes, do that. If you're not, that's okay. But I want to end with these three questions. Question number one, what door do you need to try again? What door do you need to try again? What door did you not give enough effort to? Put a little little bit of elbow grease into that thing. Push on it. Check it. If you felt like God was calling you to it, believe that that door will open. And if it doesn't open after a significant, a significant effort, then understand that you need to go in a different direction. But what door do you need to try again? Question number two, am I prepared? Are you prepared in every season and every circumstance? And if the answer is no, that's okay. That's okay. Just start being diligent about preparing for circumstances, being prepared for the things that you know are coming, and spend some time with Jesus preparing for the things that you might not know are coming at all. Question number three. Am I content with knowing the will of God or do I want to do the will of God? Am I content with knowing the will of God or do I actually want to do the will of God? I don't want to just be a person who knows. I want to be a person who goes. I want to be a person who does. And I'm sure that you do too. That The knowledge without action is not something that I want to be said about me. I want to be somebody who actually puts my faith into action, shows people the love of Christ, the mercy, the grace, the understanding that he has. We always want to be people who go and are active in our faith. Hey, thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement podcast. If you're in Billings, we'd love to see you Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock here at Faith Chapel. If not, we hope this podcast is still something that brings fruit and joy and knowledge that you can place into action. We'll talk to you guys soon.